Mac Power Users, episode 324, iPhone Photography. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside my pal, David Sparks. Hi, Katie. How are you today? Hey, I'm good, David. Did you know that we're mobsters? Jean McDonald has been going around our backs calling us mobsters. Why would she do that? She's she's just a funny lady sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll have to follow up on that. Yes. All complimentary, I, though. I, um, I need a violin case, though. <laughs> <laughs> but we we are here with our with our good friend and returning to the show, uh, Jeff Carlson. Welcome so much, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. I, I was going to say maybe Jean means it in the sense of you're you're all very powerful family. She, maybe she that's what she, she said that she meant it in the nicest possible way. I'm sure oh, she good. did. Yes, oh, sure good. She, yes. Um, anyway, uh, so I've gotten uh, divested a little bit. Um, but uh, Jeff, you are here because we are here to talk about, David wanted to talk about iPhone photography. And I told them that in order for him to do this, he needed to have adequate adult supervision. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> then that's not me. Adult supervision? Come yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> running my ringer. Yeah, oh. I, I, the last year I have given up on all cameras except the iPhone. And it's been an experiment ongoing. And I, I sold, you know, my mirrorless. I mean, I, I really went all in. And I want to talk about that because I think this day and age, that is a definite possibility for a lot of people. So I want to talk about how we do that. Uh, and, and Jeff has been on the show before. Jeff talked about iPad photography on our show. Oh, man, it was like three or four years ago. I don't know. When did you write that book, Jeff? It was a long time ago. Um, yeah, it was three or four years ago. I yeah. can't believe yeah. that it's been that long. But Jeff has always been one of my best photography friends. He um, you, Are you still writing uh, up in Seattle for the... Um, what is the newspaper you're writing for? The Seattle Times. I, I, yeah. I write a, a practical Mac column for them once a month yeah. and then uh, freelance work for, uh, you know, freelance, anybody. <laughs> and and Jeff, Jeff has written many books on photography. He's an amazing photographer. Uh, Jeff and I used to hang out at Macworld back when there was a Macworld. And I used to really enjoy watching him shoot because you just learn so much. So anyway, Jeff is here as my adult supervision today. <laughs> uh, before we get into the show topic, though, a couple uh, announcements. Uh, App Camp is coming along for Orange County. We still need one more student. We got we got eleven campers. There's room for a twelfth. So uh, if you know they, somebody, they said I can't be it. Yeah, you were rejected, Katie. They wouldn't right. take you on. That sucks. Although, you, Katie, if you want to come and help out, I'll, I got room for you on the couch down I'm, here. I'm seriously, seriously considering it. All right. And um, we still need a user interface designer. So we're having a real hard time finding a Southern California based female user interface designer. So please help us find one. Um, one other thing I have started a mailing list at maxsparky.com. I didn't want to say anything on the show until I'd done it for a couple months to prove to myself I could actually keep up with it. It only goes out once a month, but it's kind of fun. And uh, if you're interested, go over to maxsparky.com on the right column. It says mailing list and just put your name in and that's all there is to it. And uh, we have some announcements concerning upcoming show schedule. That's right. Uh, you are very exciting, David. You are actually going to WWDC next week. Yes. I, I will be in South Beach at okay. a very, very fancy black tie wedding. Oh, really? On the same day? Yes. Okay. Guess well, that my cousin decided to get married. He's actually getting married the weekend before WWDC. And apparently that's where I have to be instead of WWDC. 
Okay. Well, next I, year we'll get I you love out my there. family. Can I just say I love my family? But could you please check a calendar before you plan yeah. your weddings? Come on. Don't, doesn't everybody understand that the event of the year? <laughs> that there are priorities. But, however, we have made arrangements. Have microphone. will travel. We are going to record a special show. You live from WWDC. Me potentially live from South Beach. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it could get a little crazy. Uh, talking about the announcements, we're going to record that the afternoon um, of WWWC. That's going to be the afternoon of June 11th. And as quickly as we can get that edited and turned around, we're going to be posting it to your feeds. Realistically, it's probably going to be Tuesday the 12th. So your Mac Power users next week is going to be delayed a day or so. Don't freak yeah. out. It'll be so here. So if you're used to Sunday night, it may be Tuesday morning or maybe a little earlier. Yes. Maybe we don't know. TJ, reset your your uh, do alarm. <laughs> um, and uh, anything else? We got all the announcements. I, I think those are all the announcements, so we're good to run. All right. All right. Well, let, let's get on with it then. Um, so, so, Jeff, I am... Um, you know, the, the iPhone kept getting better and better. And when the uh, iPhone 6S came out, I started looking at the pictures I was taking with it and comparing them to the pictures of my Olympus Micro Four Thirds camera. And granted, I didn't have the world's fanciest Micro Four Thirds camera, but um, it still is a nice little camera. And I was finding myself having trouble distinguishing the two um, uh, cameras when I would look at the pictures on my Mac. Uh, is that something that other people are experiencing these days? I think so. Um, I think a, a lot of it sort of has to do with with one's approach to photography. And I'm not trying to get all metaphysical right off the bat, but um, I think the fact that you've just uh, dived right in um, and, and decided to you know get rid of everything else. I think that still um, makes you a little bit of an outlier, given um, some, some of the other things we're going to discuss. Um, but I think a lot of people are either you know not upgrading camera equipment, not bringing camera equipment because you know issues of weight and size and 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 all of that that is just sort of naturally a part of uh, photography because the phone will do pretty much everything that they want. I mean, there are definitely situations when, you know, a different camera, a different lens and all of that uh, would warrant itself. But, you know, 94% of, of the shots that people are taking are things that they can, they can get with their iPhone and, you know, half the people or most of the people looking at that wouldn't necessarily even know that that was a phone shot. Yeah. And, you know and, what I mean? Yeah. And you used to really know. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I had this interesting moment last year. I, we, we took this big vacation into the Grand Canyon. And you know, there's some beautiful sites for photography there. And I wasn't planning on taking my phone down there for, for a couple of reasons. I didn't want to lose my phone. I didn't want to get wet and all of those. And I, I had this old, I wasn't that old, but it was still a pretty nice, you know, 10, 12 megapixel um, point and shoot digital camera that I realized I hadn't used except for my prior big family vacation, which was two years prior to Alaska. You know, the, the big camera that I bought before we go on this, this trip to Alaska two years prior, I tossed it in a drawer and I go to pull it out again, realized I haven't used it for two years since, Mm -hmm. since the last big trip and it's broken. It doesn't work. The, you know, the, the zoom mechanism in the lens has degraded or something happened to it. Who knows? Maybe it got dinged up in the in the baggage when it got shipped back. 
And, yeah. you know, I'm kind of having this, this discussion with myself of, you know, what do I do? do? Do I, do I go out a week before we're getting ready to go on vacation? I've, at this point, I've, I've got the, I, I think it was maybe the iPhone six. At this point, I've got the iPhone six. Do I go buy a new camera specifically for this vacation, you know, spend several hundred dollars or do I just, you know, buy a nice rugged waterproof case for my iPhone and go with that? And and I chose to buy, you know, spend the 50, 60 bucks on the case and go with the iPhone. And I really didn't regret that decision. I was going to say, how many times when you were taking pictures, did you think, oh, gee, if only I had gotten, you know, um, point and shoot camera or if only I had something else? No, yeah, you, not once. None. Yeah, see, exactly. Because you had a way to capture what you wanted to capture. And, you know, like like you, you made the memory there. And whether it's, you know, 20 megapixels or 10 or whatever, um, that wasn't the most important part. Well, and ironically, the iPhone was probably a better camera. The iPhone 6 was probably a better oh. camera <laughs> than the point and shoot that I had bought, you know, two years prior for the prior vacation. Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think we should back up just a little bit and just kind of tell people what what type of photographers we are. Because, I, look, if you're out there and you've got like the Nikon rig with, the you know, the $3,000 camera and a bag of lenses, uh, I don't think you're going to listen to the show and say, oh, OK, well, I'll just use my iPhone. now." <laughs> but but the um, but I think I'm kind of because I think, Katie, I always got the impression you were just kind of a point and shoot photographer. Always. You never kind of went beyond that. Yes, I would say that is true now, although I will say when I was in years ago, when I was in high school and, and college and really before digital cameras took off, I, I was quite the, the film photographer. I mean, even to the extent that I was developing my own negatives and working in a dark room and, and doing all kinds of fancy things with, with film photography. Um, now, you know, digital cameras were certainly not that great. And even the ones that were reasonable were extremely cost prohibitive. But since we're in the, you know, I don't have kids. Um, and so the, the photography that I'm taking now is primarily point and shoot, you know, you know, friends and family, various events. And, and I would say probably every other year, every three years, we try to do a big vacation, um, you know, where, you know, going to Europe, going to a big site and, you know, something where you're really going to want good pictures. Yeah. Well, and so I'm, and, and Jeff is a pro, I mean. If you look at his pictures, you, you know, Jeff, I'm sure you have bags full of cameras in your house. <laughs> kind of, sort of, but, um, but thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Well, um. and, and, <laughs> see, and the weird thing, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I, um, I had an a Canon AE one, uh, film camera, you know, for years, mm -hmm. uh, eventually got a digital rebel and had that for many years. And about two, three years ago, I got a, um, a mirrorless Olympus. And, um, and I've always, you know, I've had a couple lenses, you know, I, I had like on the Canon, I had the 50 millimeter one point, I think it was a 1.4. Mm -hmm. And then on the Olympus, I had a, um, a, uh, it's, it's a pancake lens. I think it's 1.7. And I forget at the focal length it was like something like 27 millimeters or something, but it was, um, it was basically equivalent to my 50 millimeter and my Canon. Yeah, but it went down to one seven. And um, so I, I, I kind of am, I'm not a super, you know, fanatic about it, but I, I do like to take good pictures. I do like depth of field and, um, and, and like Katie, I did it and, you know, I'm a nerd. I mean, I have a podcast called Mac power users. What do you think? <laughs> of course I know stuff about cameras. Um, and so, so I was always into it, but, and the interesting thing is for someone like me, who's kind of somewhere between like really into it and not that into it. Um, 
that to me is the story here is that suddenly I'm realizing, you know what, maybe I don't need the fancy camera anymore. Um, and, uh, that is something to know that, but since I've been on this experience, I've learned quite a bit of tips about taking pictures with the, with the iPhone. And frankly, I bought some additional features. I found a way to spend a bunch of money on it anyway. Um, of course, <laughs> that's all that matters. That's yeah. Well, that, that's the only way you can be a good photographer, right? Is if you, if you spend more money on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now no, we're going to talk to you, but, but just you know, the, the most foundational element of this is it's got a good lens in it now. Um, it, the processing on the on the chip of the phone is way better than the processing on any camera that I could afford to buy. I don't know. Maybe there's some really high end cameras that do better processing on board, but an iPhone is you know there's a lot of silicon in there, and Apple really puts a lot of um, corporate muscle behind making sure it takes good pictures. Yeah, it's that's a really impressive part of of, of the iPhone right there. I mean, it's almost as big of a deal as a lens, which I never would have thought of because you always thought of software and cameras as that clunky stuff that gets in your way when you're trying to change something. Oh, but, yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, I think in most cameras, um, like that's still the case. Like the camera manufacturers, like they have they have the software there that will, you know, get the job done. Um, but, you know, rarely do people enjoy using it and and um if it does do some of the stuff, like some of the, the internal processing, like the iPhone does, it's relegated to things like, here's how to make your wonderful shot look like it came out of an iPhone in the first place, you know, yeah. um, you know, and, and like cheesy effects and things like that, that I think most people would just, you know, not even bother with, or, or, you know, maybe they would do it later. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's a huge part of it, which is is really interesting you know coming from the uh, a camera perspective yeah it's it's a new thing i think i, I think software being a feature is a new thing at least mm-hmm. in my experience yeah uh, the, and go ahead. sorry no no go ahead we're i'm i keep wanting to jump forward and i i shouldn't so <laughs> go that's good because you're excited about it but the, uh, i am i am it's well it's we also have that danger of like like this is a topic we could probably go on for four hours about but um uh, we never do that on this show oh well, good that's right <laughs> sorry have we hit our, our, our allotted 20 minutes is that is that what it is right hour and yeah. a half max <laughs> katie will bring out the hammer if i'm not yeah, careful <laughs> but the other nice thing about the phone is it has gps on every picture i take yes and i the camera i had i know you can buy cameras now that have it but none of the cameras i've owned have ever had it and uh, I really like that. It, you know, when I get into, you know, we're going to talk a little bit later about what we do with these photos after we take them, but having GPS data in every picture you take, is kind of nice turns out. And, um, uh, that is, that's pretty special. And, and when I, when I did it, I decided to do it. This was a very conscious test of me. I, I wanted to see, I didn't sell my, um, Olympus immediately. I just wanted to see, well, let's see if I try this. And what I found, like Katie, is that not not as much. It wasn't two years, but I did find that quite often I'd be out and have an opportunity to take a good picture. Um, and I didn't have the Olympus with the fancy lens with me. I just had the, the iPhone. So I would just try and get by with the iPhone. And, and largely I was. But the, um, uh, you know, but but the, that kind of raises a separate question is, is can you turn an iPhone rig into something better? And so that's what I did is I started with just using the phone. Then once I decided I wanted it, then I really committed. I bought a DXO one, 
um, which is a, um, it's like a little wart you stick on the bottom of the iPhone. It's got a lightning connector on it, but it's got a Sony lens in it that goes down to 1.8, um, uh, f-stop and it's a very high quality lens especially compared to the iphone and um it's not cheap it's like 600 bucks so i bought no, it they've, knowing they've that, come down quite a bit there it's it's like four don't tell me that oh no <laughs> how much are they now yeah but you can get them for like 440 on amazon okay well see so you get it cheaper than i did and i bought it knowing i had two weeks and i was either going to keep it and sell my cameras to pay it off or I was going to send it back. And that what to me was huge because uh, now literally in my jeans pocket, I can stick a really high quality lens that I can use on my phone when I need to take that shot. So much easier to put that in my pocket than to carry the other camera and the involved rig. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I've used the DXO one a bit um, and it's, for for people who aren't familiar with it, um, it it's basically like a, a little camera in itself. You can actually take pictures um, even if it's not connected to your iPhone, it just doesn't have a, a screen for it. Um, and uh, so that's, it's, it, it's very impressive. It also shoots in raw for people who, who are, uh, are interested in that. Um, and it is like small and compact, which is nice. Yeah. So maybe for someone like me who, who does like having a little bit better camera and options, uh, having these third party options makes dumping the, the body camera really possible and granted you can still like going back to that pro with the bag full of lenses he's going to have or she's going to have better lenses and better cameras than the dxo plus the iphone but for me this is good enough and and to be honest with you i don't even need the dxo one that often i may have been able to pull this out without it at all but uh it's good to hear they're coming down in price I think Katie, when I was with you in Florida, I had it with me. Did you? Yeah, did you, I, ha- you had it and you used it quite a bit at Disney, I believe. Of course yeah, you did. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so, but I mean, but when you think about and, it. And I, I believe I, you used it to take pictures of the, um, is it the Mark Twain? The, the steamship. The steamship. Yeah. Um, and you were griping the whole time about it. Something about our ship you didn't like. Oh yeah. Your ship is so inferior compared to my Mark Twain. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know, I worked on the Mark Twain. I used to call it the floating break room. But that's another story. Um, but anyway, the um, so, but you can put a tripod, a mount, and a DXO one and an iPhone in a jeans pocket, and that to me is the liberating idea of iPhone photography. Well, men can, most women probably can, or or a purse, your pants are or a bag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it it just does not take that much room, and and it doesn't take that much weight. And uh, I find now I'm taking better pictures than I ever have because. I have, you know, what's the old story? I, I'm going to get it wrong, Jeff. Uh, the best camera is the one you have with mm-hmm. you, something like that. Yeah, actually, that, that was exactly what I was going to bring up because, um, yeah, like the the biggest problem with carrying around another camera is actually carrying around another camera. Um, you know, the, there are so many times when, yeah, it would have been great to have, um, you know. So right now I'm, I'm shooting a, a Fuji X-T1 mirrorless and I've got some, a few lenses for it. And, you know, yeah, there are times when it would be great to have a, a wide angle um, for, you know, maybe a, a sunset or whatever. Um, but I always have my phone. And I think, you know, that, that um, accessibility really makes a huge difference um, for, you know, I think people who are casually into photography, people who really aren't into photography at all, but want to take pictures because I mean, face it, like we're all now photographers, no matter what, as long as you have a, a, a smartphone. Um, 
and and I would say even for for professionals, um, you know, I I recently um, co-led a, a photo workshop over into the the Palouse area of East, Eastern Washington, and um, you know the, the the people in the workshop um, were a pretty mixed range of of, of photographers um, and on other workshops that I've been on, um, but you know, like everybody still takes pictures with their iPhones um, because of, of the convenience. Sometimes like you don't want to go grab the big heavy tripod or, you know, um, change your lens or anything like that. When what you really want to do is just snap something that's either happening right away or, or, you know, um, that, that convenience makes such a huge difference. And the fact that the iPhone you know, just by itself will create great images really kind of seals the deal on that. Yeah. And every year Apple ups the game a little more. Hey, I want to talk about using, let's put aside my fancy pants DXO one for a minute and just talk about <laughs> using the camera app. And uh, there are a lot of hidden secrets about taking pictures with an iPhone. So, you know, whether or not you're replacing your camera, uh, you want to take better pictures with your iPhone camera. We're going to talk about that right after this break. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Fracture. Fracture, as you may know, is a photo decor company that is setting out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. They do something amazingly cool. They take your digital photos and print them directly on glass and add a laser cut rigid backing so they're ready to display right out of the box. You pull this thing out of the box and it is a piece of glass with your image on it. And I cannot even tell you how great these things look in your home, in your office, wherever you want to put them. They even include the little wall anchor and screw in the box. So you have everything you need right there and good to go. All you have to do is upload your digital photo at fracture.me Pick your size. They've got squares and rectangles, and you're good to go. It's that simple, and they'll ship it off to you. And they've got this really unique custom shipping container. I, I've never seen one break. It's just amazing. The fracture process makes the color and contrast of your photo really pop, and their sleek, frameless designs really let your photos stand out while matching any decorating style. You don't have to worry about picking out a frame. You don't have to worry about picking out a mat. Your photos are just almost hovering there on the wall in all their beauty. Uh, you don't have to worry, is this going to match? Of course it is, because it's your photo sitting directly there on glass. So it gives you that opportunity to bring a special memory to life. They make amazing, unique gifts. You can decorate your home, your office with the moments that tell your story. And I'll tell you, this is wedding season for me. I've got three weddings that I'm in this summer alone. A lot of those people are getting fracture, either pictures of them uh, or fracture gift certificates so that they can take one of their favorite pictures from their special day and make their own fracture. And it is always a gift that they have been extremely happy about. And it's a way to tell other people about fracture. Fractures come with a 60-day happiness guarantee, so you're sure to love your order. And each fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. source materials in their carbon neutral factory. And, you know, we're coming up on Father's Day, and wouldn't Dad love a great picture of you? Fracture is doing something neat. They're partnering up with Big Green Egg to give away a Big Green Egg Mini Max for Father's Day. So all you have to do is visit eggmydad.com and share your favorite dad quote, dad joke, or dadism to enter. Uh, so you can do that over at eggmydad.com. And if you want to learn more about how Fracture brings your photos to life, 
Visit FractureMe.com. And when you do, please make sure that you click that one question survey at the end and tell them that you heard about them from Mac Power users at checkout. And that really helps the show. Thanks again to Fracture for their support. Okay. So the, the native camera app on the iPhone, uh, for years, I think it was the, the app that people love to hate, you know, because it was, uh, I, m- my biggest complaint about it for a long time was the, the amount of time it took from the time you launched the app to the time it took a picture. But I feel like Apple has really um, improved that app over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, th- I think it was um, like like maybe two generations ago, either either the, the, the 5S or, or with the 6, um, like they did some serious monkeying in the in the code to to really uh, make that responsive, um, because you know the, the the thing about taking pictures with an iPhone, especially, are like something happens and you want to get it, get a shot of it, and sometimes, um, you know, you would you would fumble, you would try, and then you'd wait for it to load, and then whatever it was that you'd seen, you know, a, a squirrel or a cat or something, um, is gone. And now I have to admit, um, even though I've tried out lots of apps and, and there are pros and cons to a bunch of different things, um, I still use the built-in camera app for most of my shots because I can, you know, push the, push the power button on, my, on, on the phone, um, swipe up from the right corner, and boom, like I'm ready to take a shot right there. Yeah. And that, that to me is one of the things that's interesting is um, a few years ago, we were all looking at third party apps as our default camera app. Yeah. And, and now to me, and I've got one I want to talk about after we talk, finish talking about the camera app, but the, um, mm-hmm. the, those apps are special purpose apps now. It's like, okay, I want to take a very special picture and I'm going to take my time, but you know, catching a funny picture of the kids or just generally, you know, 90% of the pictures I take are going to be done uh, with just the built-in camera app. And uh, the, the first uh, trick you talked about is, and I think most people know, but you know, I'm just going to assume somebody out there doesn't, is when you turn the camera on, you, you turn on the phone, if you just swipe up from the right side on the bottom, you get immediately into the camera. You don't need, you know, especially with the, you have to have the, um, what is it, the thumb security code. What do you call that again? Uh, touch ID. Touch ID. Touch ID enabled. Um, you've got to unlock the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, um, well, no, even if you have it set, you don't have to, you, you can set your settings such that if you just swipe up, you can immediately start taking photos. Now those photos don't integrate themselves with your existing photo roll until you've typed your passcode and gotten into your phone. Gotcha. You know what? You're right, Katie. I was just, I hadn't tested it without it, but, <laughs> but it, when you turn it on, you'll see the camera icon in the lower right corner. And that's what you need to uh to get going i mean uh do you guys have the camera app on your home screen no there's no i don't think that there's a reason to now and home real estate home screen real estate is precious between having the swipe up to take a photo which is how i typically take my photos now um and between having the uh camera in the uh, control center yeah so that's the second way is if you've got the phone on if you just swipe up for the control center you'll see the the phone icon there and you can launch the camera from there so you don't have to turn it off and then turn it back on to swipe up what's kind uh, of funny is that sorry um w- with the 6s it, it threw me off a little bit because the the touch id is so quick um i would i would push the home button to get to the home screen or, or i'm sorry get to the lock screen and then swipe up but um, Touch ID is so fast on the 6S 
that I, w- I would miss that. So I've gotten into the habit of pushing the, the sleep wake button yeah, on the side instead just yeah. so that I can get to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I, I, I do have the camera app on my home screen and that's pure laziness because I've never moved it. So now, well, well, the, Jeff, now do you s- have the six S or the six S plus? Because there are some differences between the camera and those two. I, that's a good question. I have the six S um, and the, the six S plus is a better camera. Um, it, it has, um, I think one of the biggest things it has, um, optical image stabilization, but ah, it's just too big for me. I can't, I can't wield a a phone that big. (laughs) I just can't. Not me. I carry a lens tray in my pocket. No problem. (laughs) The, um, one of the things with the success, however, and this is a good reason to keep the, the icon on your home screen is they have 3d touch support. Um, and so when, mm-hmm. and I've actually moved my camera icon back onto my home screen, um, you know, and this is just for this reason, if you hard press against it, you can go to slow-mo record video, selfie or take, so you can have it actually open to the camera you want. And I know that you can just swipe to do the same thing, but this is one of the 3d touch implementations that I actually find myself using. And I think I also put the camera on the home screen just to kind of remind myself that, Hey, you should take some more pictures. <laughs> um, but the, uh, but in general, they, so they've made it really easy to get into the camera native camera, app, which is, I think in itself, one of the reasons why we all find ourselves using it a lot more. The other thing I would recommend if you're going to use the camera is to turn on the grid and you can do that in the settings. Yeah. You know, this is one of these apps where the settings are not in the app. So I don't think a lot of people realize it's there. But if you go into the settings on your iPhone, you know, the little gear icon, not in the, the actual camera. Uh, there's a setting group of settings called photos and camera. And you go in there and it's got like the cloud settings and a lot of the, you know, the general picture stuff. But it also has a, a little uh, lever to say, turn on the grid. And when you do that, it puts the, uh, the familiar um, kind of tic-tac-toe grid across your camera when you open it up and uh, we've probably talked about this in prior shows but it's been a while jeff you want to explain the the importance of that grid yeah the well so there's there's this rule of threes which of course uh, can be broken at will but the idea is um if you position your your subject like you're taking a picture of somebody and you put them right smack dab in the middle of the of the frame um it's fine but moving them to the left or the right so that they're either um, either entirely in one of the the left or right um, grid areas or um, sort of line them up along one of the grid lines um, it it allows for more more balanced more interesting photos um, sometimes if you have somebody like let's say they're they're looking away. Um, when you stick them right in the middle of, of the image, you don't really get as much of a sense of like, you know, I'm asking like, what are they looking at? If you push them to the left of the image and they're, they're looking off to the right, it, it gives them a little more breathing room in, in the shot and kind of helps um, your eyes linger more. Yeah, it's, it's just a nice composition reminder. Every time I open the camera, I've got the grid there, and it, just seeing the lines kind of gives me a reminder. Okay, take a moment and frame the shot. It's also great for trying to make things uh, level. Um, you know, yeah, fl- flagpoles and horizons and things. 
Katie, do you use the grid? I always use the grid because when I, you know, even dating back to those photography classes in high school and college, we were drilled the rule of thirds, rule of thirds. Yeah. So that, there's a good one for you. So go into settings. I wish they put it in the app in a way because I think a lot of people uh, don't know to go look for it, but it's it's in the photos and camera setting. Um, there's also an interesting tool you can do with the new, and I think this is since the 5S, but I'm not certain when it started. And it's what they call burst mode. And if you're taking a picture with the iPhone camera app, um, it used to be that you would, the trick, the magic trick used to be you'd hold down the button and it took the picture when you let go of the button. So it was a good way to kind of get everything focused and, and framed and then let go of the button and it would take the picture. Um, but now what it does is it takes a burst of pictures when you hold down the, the shutter button. And that can be really useful. I mean, when we have, we have a lot of little kids in our family. So when, every time we put a bunch of people in front of the camera, it is like a crapshoot if I'm going to get the picture yeah. where the kids are looking at me, you know. But if I just hold the burst in for like a second, um, I will get one of those pictures. It'll take like 40 pictures. It's crazy how fast it is. Um, but if I just flip through those, I will find the perfect picture. And everybody's like, gosh, Dave, you're the best photographer. How do you get these great pictures? What they don't know is 500 of them. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, and that is something like on my old camera, that was not something I could have done. And, you know, it's very nice to use that burst mode. Well, and the, the burst mode on the iPhones, um, you're, I mean, it, it is, it is scary fast. You you will end up with a hundred photos before you know it. Um, and you know, it's, it's faster than, um, I think most, you know, big expensive DSLRs too. Um, and so it's very, very useful for that. Um, it's also useful, you know, just like trying to, to catch, um, uh, you know, movement and motion. Um, and it's also great, especially when, um, you've asked somebody to to take a picture of you. You know, because they'll invariably like, you know, they'll, they'll stab at it and it'll get it blurry or whatever. Like, just tell them to hold the button down. And even if it takes 20 shots, you have less likelihood that they happen to press the button at that one moment when you blinked. And that sort of like weird stranger taking a picture of you, uh, courtesy comes in where like you sort of look at the at the photo. You're like, oh, no, it's great. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then you, you look at it later on and you're like, oh, this is a terrible photo and I really shouldn't have even tried. Um, <laughs> or even, you knew it was terrible at the moment, but you didn't want to tell them, but they know it was terrible too. And it, it's just exactly very, like, it gets very ugly. It's this awkward thing. And you know, like everybody's trying to be very polite. Like, like if they, if they just mash the button down, um, you're going to get something. And, yeah. and, um, uh, touching back on, on some of the processing, um, the, the phone software, helps you group that and helps like like pick out a good one so you're not necessarily going to be like oh great i just shot 50 photos of uh, that basically look identical and now i have to go sort through them um it it gives you a leg up on 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 finding something that's you know good and focus and and all that and the camera seems like i mean i don't know this i'm sure that they're trying to do this algorithmically Mm-hmm. But when I take that family shot, usually the one it picks is the one where all the kids have their eyes open and are facing the lens, um, usually. And I'm sure that they're looking for that. So um, that I don't have to sort through them all. I just hold it down. And usually the one that it tells me it thinks is the best usually is the best or very close to the best. 
Uh, another use for the um the burst mode is um my um I have my my part I have multiple phases of my home office. One of them is in the backyard, and I have this little hummingbird feeder that mm. you know, I like to feed the hummingbird. Did you know that I, I'm pretty sure that hummingbirds? I think every other word to them is like a curse word because <laughs> they are so mean to each other. You should see these things go out each other. But anyway, I want I want to take pictures of them sometimes, and burst mode is great for that. Just hold it down as they as they whiz in to get their you know sugar water. And um, you can get a good picture. You use a burst mode much, Katie? Um, you know, burst mode is one of those things that gives me trouble because I find that most of the time when I'm activating burst mode, I do it by accident and I end up with all these photos in my photo stream that I really didn't want. So there is actually a way that, that you can solve some of that problem is there is another, if you go back into the settings, you can tweak a setting that tells it only to upload um not either not to upload burst mode burst mode photos or only to upload the one that you designate as your favorite. And but once again, then you got to then you got to remember to go to designate one as your favorite. And this is done in the settings too. Once again, it's not in the the, the camera app; it's in the settings. Um, I, one of the things that I love about the camera, this camera as opposed to my old camera, is the way I can set the fo- the point of focus. I mean, I always learned, and I'm sure you did, Katie, how you point the camera, center it on the subject and you press halfway down to get the, the lens, the focus you know, locked in and then you frame your shot. You don't do that with an iPhone. Right. You just well, frame you it. Ca- you can, you can, you can touch on a specific area if you want to focus that particular area. It, it, that's my point though. I mean, you, you don't have to do the whole thing where you move the, the physical target of the lens and then push halfway to focus and then frame the shot. Now you just frame the shot and right. touch anywhere on the screen and it, it focuses there. So useful. Jeff, how, how do you do that? Um, I, um, you know, stab randomly until it looks good. Um, no, um, I, 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 I do exactly that. It's, um, I would say maybe 80% of the time um, it, it focuses on, on what I want um, unless I'm, you know, trying to be really crafty and have like something maybe off to the side in focus. Um, and what I like to do in, in that case, if you touch and hold for a second, um, it will lock the focus there. So you can, you can focus on something and then recompose or, or just make sure that you don't, um, that, that it doesn't, um, lock onto something else. Like, like, let's say, you know, um, you're taking a picture of a flower and a bee flies in, you know, and it, and it tries to lock on that. So if you touch and hold, um, you'll see, um, the, the little, um, yellow box, uh, blinks a little bit. And then it says AEAF lock, which is uh, auto exposure and auto focus lock. And that, that gives you a bit of control over, okay, like I really want this thing to be in focus or I want, you know, this flower petal to be in focus um, rather than having it choose. It, it does a really good job, but it's nice having that, that control. Yeah. I, I mean, it just, it's really nice that you can see it visually on the screen while you're, you're setting the shot. Uh, the HDR mode to me is, really nice too and when i thought it was a gimmick when it first came out and it feels to me like it it's another thing that the software has improved over the years and i have taken several very nice hdr shots high dynamic range i believe that's what it stands for yeah and um they're they're particularly useful when you've got like something backlit or something that you know you've got bright light in the back and darker in the front 
um, it makes pictures like that possible. And, and I keep it turned on. I don't do What's your, um, what's your preference for HDR on the iPhone? I have it set to auto. Um, and in, in most cases it'll, it'll, um, use it in the right instance. So, um, sometimes if, if I do have kind of a, a mixed light situation and, um, the HDR is not coming on and it, when you have it set to auto, you'll know, like it pops up a little, um, yellow badge that says HDR when it's, when it's going to take an HDR photo. Um, if, if that doesn't come up and I think I, I need it, sometimes I will just, um, like, like tap to focus on, like, say the, the darker area and then it'll say, oh, well, if you want that, then we have to make this an HDR. Yeah. Um, so sometimes if I know that I'm going to be shooting in, in those kind of light extremes, I'll just turn the HDR on and just leave it on. Um, and, uh, you end up with, with two photos. Um, although again, going back to the settings, there's an option so that you can say, um, uh, under, under HDR, there's a keep normal photo. Um, so if you want, like like the the original exposure and the the HDR, um, it, it'll keep both of them. Um, or you know, if if you don't really care, you can just turn that setting off and and only have the HDR. You you can trigger one of the, one of the we haven't mentioned, but there's several ways to trigger taking a picture with the iPhone. Um, the oh, vol yeah. the volume up button, and, and actually, I believe that's another another way to get a more focused picture is hold it with two hands. I see people holding up the camera with one hand, and I feel like that, first of all, it's a pretty expensive piece of hardware to hold with one hand, especially when you mm -hmm. have a l the lunch tray size like me. <laughs> um, but also, I just think you get a more stable shot if you hold it with two hands. But if you, you can just put your index finger over the volume up button, it, it makes it's a very natural thing to just press that to take a picture. And that also works with the headphones. So if you have the, you know, just the white Apple headphones and you plug them in and you just click the volume up, it will take a picture which is kind of nice. Well, it's also and, nice. Be Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the most important tip for when you're holding your iPhone to take photos is that if you're taking a video with your iPhone, the correct orientation with which to hold your iPhone is horizontal. Yeah. Bless you for saying so. Oh, I mean, <laughs> what is wrong with people who take vertical photos with their iPhone? Yeah. It's, it's so convenient. And, and I, I know that ultimately it's a battle that that we're going to lose, but as yeah, long as we can try this. to like like convince people, um, just because everything in 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 video is horizontal, otherwise you end up with you know um, you you see people's uh, uh, vertical videos and what they have, they have to like blur the background of the videos just to have something else on the screen and um, yeah, it's just it's bad. Just please, people, just shoot horizontal it, it's just a quick twist and there you go another way to take a remote shot is with the apple watch yeah um, that's kind of a spy technique i i've thought about using that from time to time but you can use your your apple watch basically as a shutter so if you you wanted to you could set your iphone up somewhere and then spy on it with your apple watch mm -hmm. it's it's good for taking pictures of um uh like uh, say you and your family or you and your friends and you like if you have like a little tripod or, or some way to to have it steady um, rather than, you know, having the, the sort of typical selfie where you see half your arm in the picture, um, you know, you can you can set the set the the phone up 
and then use your watch to you know move people around because you're you're seeing a live uh, preview of what's going on, and then um, trigger the shot there. Um, and it, there's also a way uh, to, to set the timer on it so all your shots don't have you looking at your watch, which is also a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know the the set shots where you want to have you know the lens open for some time, the tripod stuff. I think that there's other apps I would recommend for that stuff, but but remote triggering is is important. And also, you know, what is still important, it's it's a camera. Light is still really important. And I think because of the physics of, you know, what is it? It's less than a quarter of an inch or something between the lens and the sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, light is really important when trying to use this to make, you know, take pictures. Um, I, uh, I still, um, I still like to, you know, turn off the flash. I'm like, let's talk about that. Let's take a quick break and let's talk about how we're going to deal with light and flashes on the iPhone. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Daylight, a business productivity app for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. Running your business can be hard, and Daylight helps solve that problem. It organizes your contacts, calendars, tasks, notes, emails, projects, and new business opportunities all in one place. What's special about Daylight is that it links all these things together. It's used by solopreneurs and small businesses as well as teams within large companies. Mortgage broker Gina Best in Vancouver loves Daylight because it helps her and her team work smarter and more efficiently. She's cut down on CC'd emails between her and her assistant because all the emails are linked to their clients and projects in Daylight. It's also helped them increase their volume of customers while still maintaining the same high level of customer service. Over in Ukraine, Yuri Vlasyuk uses Daylight to manage a local arts festival with his team. They use Daylight to plan meetings, prioritize tasks, and balance their workload. They also use Daylight to segment their contacts and send specific email campaigns to vendors makers, and people attending the fair. Daylight also helps them automate routine tasks so they can build processes that make them faster. Consultant and solopreneur Chris Tossel in the UK loves Daylight because of the way it integrates with Apple Mail. It helps them process his emails quickly and still be able to search and find them later. Daylight also helps him to keep track of calls and follow-ups with clients. In Chris's words, Daylight creates order out of what would otherwise be chaos. Daylight is a native app, so you don't need an internet connection to use it. When you go to the internet connection, it syncs in the cloud across your devices and with your team. To learn more about Daylight and how it helps businesses be more productive, visit Market Circle's website. We'd like to thank Daylight for sponsoring the Mac Power users. Daylight is really a great solution, especially if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed and not knowing what the right tools are to manage your business. Daylight just solves this problem for you. It's on the Mac, the iPhone, and the iPad. So head over to marketcircle.com and learn more about Daylight. As user Chris explained, it brings order out of chaos. Thanks, Daylight, for sponsoring the Mac Power Users. All right, so when, you, um, when you're using the iPhone, the, you know Apple announced this big feature where they've got a flash that doesn't just give you the, the nuclear blue light with every photo. <laughs> Um, I guess first question to you is what, as a, you know, somebody who really spends a lot of time thinking about photography, um, what do you think about this, this color balanced flash in the iPhone? I think it's, it's, I think it's really cool. I I love the technology and I never use it. Um, and, 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 you know, I think part of that is just because, um, you know, I'm often trying to to not have like some sort of a an obvious flash look and even though um the flash is 
is is color balanced. Um, it, it there's a there's basically like a blue flash and a yellow flash that work in, in uh, together. Um, like it, it it does a good job, but it still makes the the image look like you use the flash on your phone. Yeah, um, I, I, I totally know, so, agree. I think Apple oversold this. I mean, I, yeah. I get it. I think it works, but it still looks like a flash. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's great if, if if there's no other light and and you need to get um, a, a shot. You know, when when you and I and Katie when we're out clubbing, um, that's when you want to you know get the picture. You know, when it's really really dark. Yeah, um, I do that like every other night. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, I, I apologize to the listeners whose eyes just rolled strenuously. Um, but um, so, so part of it is is that that, that sort of flash effect. Um, the the other part of it is um, the 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 directionality of the flash um, because it's it's coming straight from the camera. So yeah, um, like like a quarter of an inch from the lens. I mean, it's yeah, so close. <laughs> yeah. So so e- even though it's um, uh, color balanced in a nice way, so you don't look like like a blue alien. Um, you, you still kind of have that like 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 deer in the headlights kind of um, effect. Um, oftentimes, when 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 you're trying to light something, you want to you know um, add light from the side or from an angle or from above um, to make things a little bit more interesting. So the the flash is great for just you know bam illuminating a scene that doesn't have enough light period and in fact um the one, one advantage of the iphone 6s plus um because it has that optical image stabilization um when when they announced the the stabilization i think a lot of people thought oh this is great because now you know e- even if i have a, a shaky hand it'll it'll compensate for that and i think um in in practical terms the the ois really works best in in low light situations in indoor photography i mean because yeah. I, I have one and i'll tell you indoor pictures my wife has the 6s i have the 6s plus when uh-huh. we're inside i always take the pictures and they look better mm-hmm. you can tell um the uh in general i i think you, what i my practice has been i i just turn the flash off it's just yeah permanently off on my on my camera i need a reason to turn it on um, if I'm inside and it's so dark that I can't get a good picture of the flash, usually I just don't take the picture. Yeah. Although I, I will add um, one of the neat features, um, and I, I think it, it it will go back, like not just the success, but um, I, I think it, it was a an OS level feature. Um, if you're taking a selfie in dark conditions, there's no flash on the front of the iPhone, but there's a giant screen. And what, what the phone will do is it, it'll just flash the screen a, a a color balanced um you know just full screen color that acts as a flash and that does a pretty good job um i think maybe because it's it's a larger panel of light rather than just like a you know a little tiny led burst yeah. um but i i've been i've been surprised at um the the quality taking a picture of of myself or like you know my my daughter and I or whatever and and when the flash gets triggered um it ends up looking you know illuminated but more natural than than uh the the rear flash another trick we've used in the sparks family is we'll take cuz you know we we all have iPhones and that's true in most families now um mm-hmm. we'll take one of the phones and just turn the light the flash on as a flashlight yeah. and hold it to the side 
you just hold your arm out or if there's another person in the room, have them light you from the side mm -hmm. and then take a picture with the flash off on your phone. And that is loads better than having the flash come from your phone. In, in my experience. Um, they sell little boxes too, if you go on the internet, because it, you know, one of the nice developments in photography technology is the LEDs stuff. Yeah. And now for, you know, like under $50, you can get something you stick in your pocket. That's a really powerful led light. Some of them have kind of a warmth indicator. So you can, it's not just the blue led. You can get some kind of a nice warm light. And some of them will Bluetooth sync to your phone to, to synchronize the flash or some of them will just be a light, just turn on. And you can light a shot from the side that way as well. Yeah, they're, they're really impressive. I, I haven't used any, but um, I've, I've seen a couple. So, and, and once again, for me, it has to fit my pocket. This is the whole like idea. It's like, you know, we go to Disneyland all the time. I want to be able to go to Disneyland and not have to bring a bag for camera stuff. Yeah. And uh, one of those little LED things would fit fine. The, the the last time I was at Disneyland, uh, the same thing. Um, I I did bring um, at, at the time. I had a, a a Nikon and even you know a, like relatively small lens. Um, and I think we were there for four or five days. We we did the whole the whole thing. Um, and there was only one day that I that I actually brought the camera, and that was the day that uh, my daughter did the the bibbity bobbity boo um, makeover thing. Um, I, I, I think I massacred the, the actual name of that, but, um, just Works because, for me. okay. Um, <laughs> that's what they so, called it when I did it. Okay. Um, and so, you know, like, like that, that was the day that I wanted to make sure I had really good shots. Um, and the, the whole rest of the time I, I had just my phone, even though I was carrying a backpack the whole time, but just not with, you know, the, the heavy camera stuff. And Katie, you, how did you, you look you... after your makeover? I, I could have used a little bit more work actually, okay. but, um, yeah, yeah. I just sat down and she said, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, I said, uh, I wanted to be bell, not beast. The, the, oh, well. I, I do turn the flash on remarkably when I'm outdoors and it, it does work as a fill in flash. And I wish that the, the phone was smarter about that, about using it. Um, I have to force it every time I want to use it as a fill in flash. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Katie, where, where do you stand in the great flash debate? I, I tend to do no flash. I flash ruins more pictures for me than it, than it saves. So my default is flash off. Yeah. Uh, another thing about the iPhone a limitation, in my opinion, and something I wish almost wasn't there is the digital zoom. I mean, it's every time you use the uh, digital zoom, a puppy dies. <laughs> oh, all those poor, poor puppies. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it's funny. Um, I will say that the digital zoom is better than it used to be. And I still have, am optimistic that at some point it will probably be still better. But, um, and, and like, like the, the, the desire is there because, you know, you're, you're already looking at this great screen. You want to get a little bit closer. Of course, there's no real zoom. And so, you know, you just, you just pinch out a little bit. Um, I, I, I still do it occasionally because I, I like my brain says, no, it'll be fine this time. 
And every single time I go back and I'm like, oh, gosh, this one's really smudgy. Why? Oh, right. Because I, I use the digital Zoom. Well, is there um, any circumstances where the digital Zoom would be better than just taking the photo and then cropping it after the fact? Uh, are, are you not essentially... Because yeah, you're just... No, you're removing I, you're removing the pixels from it as you're zooming in. Yeah, well, well what you're doing and, wor- you're and zooming worse. in. Yeah, it's it's actually worse because so so the 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 best advice is take the shot and then crop later. Right. You end up with with, with fewer pixels, but um yeah, that's okay. Um when when you're when you're doing the digital zoom, you're sort of removing pixels in the sense that that you're not showing as much around, but the camera is is basically inventing pixels in order to to fill in um, the areas that that have been zoomed in. So if you have like like if you see Sasquatch walking across the parking lot and you zoom in, it it can't just um, it can't associate like like you know light photon for pixel and and have a, an accurate uh, assessment of what that is. It has to say, oh, okay. So, um, in the upper third of this image where there was just sky, now I need to, to put this head of a Sasquatch, but that's not actually there. So we'll, you know, um, uh, just add some pixels in. And although, you know, the, I think the algorithms are, are, are fine and sound. What you end up with is just that, that smudginess because the, the processor is trying to invent things that weren't actually there. So every photo of Sasquatch and every photo of a UFO, the person who took that photo screwed up because they used the digital zoom. And if not for that, we would have had proof years ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know what um, kills me is like, so, you know, we're, we're a Disneyland family. We live down the street. So we're there all the time. And like, I'll be sitting on the curb waiting for a parade or something. And I'll watch somebody next to me. Oh, and yeah. she's taking a picture of her kid. You know, the kid is two feet away and she wants to zoom in on the face and she could literally hold her hand like six inches closer and get the <laughs> shot. But yeah. instead they use a digital zoom and it just kills me. I, I want so bad to do an intervention, but then I would just sound like the creepy weird guy. Yeah. you know, giving you yeah. a camera advice. But what, One of the things that was always drilled in my head, and I, I will never forget it from my early photography days, is get, and, and this was back before digital cameras and before any digital zooms, so even dealing mm-hmm. with optical zooms, but get close and then take a couple of steps closer. And you typically don't regret it. Yeah. And and in, in most cases, like, like, you can. I mean, you know, obviously if you're on the edge of a cliff, Please yeah, then don't, don't do that. Do that. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, and, and I think this kind of touches on like, like, like weird social things too, but, um, because so many people are taking pictures now, it's, it's really, um, it's really commonplace to, to see someone taking a picture. So I don't think you necessarily need to worry about, you know, oh, I, I can't be too close to to these people around me because I'm taking a picture. If if I want to, you know, step three or four uh, steps ahead, um, like there's not that 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 social um, weirdness of oh my gosh, someone's taking a picture. It, it's like oh yeah, someone's taking a picture, and um, you know, I'll I'll step aside to get let somebody uh, get a little bit closer um, because it, it really makes that much of a difference. Yeah. Well, well, I think um, I think we've covered the built-in camera app pretty well, and I think that we had a lot of good tips today. So, if you're taking pictures with your camera, 
just try a couple of the things we talked about and you'll be surprised how, how good your pictures can get. I mean, I think this is what leads you on the road to get to where I am where you say, you know what, this is good enough. I don't need another camera. Um, but occasionally you're going to want to take pictures that are a little more exotic and um, like fireworks photos is a good example. I like to take fireworks photos. Who doesn't? And the trick for that is you put it on a tripod and you open the lens for like two or three seconds to get all that light from the firework as it explodes. And the iPhone camera is not built for that. I mean, I'm sorry, the iPhone camera app, Apple's camera app is not built for that kind of control. Uh, but there are several that are, I've tried like 10 of them. And the one that I keep coming back to, and if I was to say you're going to buy one extra camera app for, for, um, for capture of photos, I mean, we'll talk later about doing stuff with them after you take them, but there's an app called camera plus, and it's a camera with the plus sign, not P L U S. Cause there's one of those too. <laughs> and, uh, we'll put it in the show notes camera plus. I think that app is, it just seems to me like they've really got all those additional features that I want when I want to leave it open. Like, like one of the things with the fireworks photo is, the process of pressing the volume up button will shake the camera and the tripod, which will, and you know, result in the camera, the picture coming out blurry. Um, with camera plus, you can set it on a timer. So you press the button and like a fraction of a second later, then it goes off when it's stable. Um, it just, I feel, I really like that app. I don't, have you used that one? I have. Yeah. That's, that's sort of my secondary go-to. Um, and actually the reason that I like that is, um, uh, but I mean, there's the several things about it. I mean, like I'm looking at it right now and they have this tiny little ingenious thing where um, it, it uses the the uh, gyroscope in the in the camera to help you um, line up uh, a, a horizon. So, you know, a, a, as you tip, you can see a little bit um, like how off it is from being being horizontal um, just by having what they've done is they've taken like one of the bars of the grid and just, um, you know, it, it just moves compared to, um, how you're holding it. Um, but, uh, the, that was a small digression. Um, the, the thing well, that I, mean, I like about a, it, those kinds of features though, are that what make it worth it. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, definitely. So, um, Apple's app is definitely, uh, created by people who are like, how can we make the best general purpose uh, uh, camera app that'll work in like all situations? And Camera Plus really has that feel of, um, you know, how would photographers approach a, a camera app? Um, and the, the, the feature that I like the best is um, you can set uh, focus and exposure independently. So, so with, with the, the Apple app, um, if you tap an area, you're basically saying, I want this area to be in focus and I want the, the, the brightness, um, based on that area. Yeah, so and so that balances, you know, like yeah. if, if you've got a picture and the subject's really dark, you tap on the darkest area and then the camera tries to figure the, you know, the, 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 the setting to get you more light there. But exactly. you can't. But you can't control both. You can't say I want this section and I want to leave it dark. Exactly. Um, you, you can you can sort of do it. Um, one one nice um, nice part of, of of Apple's implementation is when, when you do uh, tap to focus, um, and especially if you if you tap and hold to lock the focus, there's there's a little um, like sunlight slider to the right um, that, that lets you kind of, uh, bring the exposure up or down. And it's, it's, it's nice. Sometimes it works. 
um, the way you want it to. But with Camera Plus, you can you can set a focus point, and the, there's a little uh, plus button uh, in the corner, and that splits out focus and exposure. So you can say okay, and and also like you don't have to to hold it down in in order to lock it. So I can say you know I want I want this this foreground uh, item to be in focus, but if the exposure was on that, like like maybe the background would be completely blown out to white. So I can I can set my exposure to like say um, you know a, a a brighter area that will bring the overall exposure down and and balance things out and have just a little bit more control over that. Um, it's not it's not to the point where you know oh my gosh now I'm I'm switching to everything manual. It's it's just like like that tiny little bit of fine grain control that um, that really helps in some situations. And you can go really down that rabbit hole if you want. In fact, I think there's a camera oh, yeah. app called Manual. I think that's the name of it, mm-hmm. where you control everything. And that was, I believe, iOS 8 or maybe 9, but I think it was 8, where Apple said, okay, we're going to give camera makers a lot more control over what they can do with the lens now. And so you've got all these these crazy apps that, that give you massive amounts of control. What mm-hmm. percentage of time would you guys say that you spend in these specialty apps? Because I'll tell you, I, I personally, I've, I've downloaded a few but right now I don't have any on my phone and I haven't in a while. I've just found that I was never using them. Well, for me, camera plus is where I go. Like when I want to take that, that time lapse. When, when Katie and I were standing on the rivers of America and I was shooting a picture of the, uh, the steamship in Florida, it was dark out. Obviously the thing was probably 50 feet away. I didn't want to use a flash. That wouldn't work even if I wanted and I wanted to leave it open for, I think, about five seconds. And that's not something I could do with the Apple camera app. So that's when I would go to a specialty app. In that case, I actually use the DxO software. I, th- I think you did. Be, yeah, I was watching yeah. it. But, the, um, but if I wasn't using the DxO lens, I'd go to Camera Plus for that. Mm-hmm. Um, camera Plus is also, and we'll talk about this later in the show, some of these processing apps. Camera Plus has some really remarkable editing features. And... Um, one they have one in particular that I think is really worth recommending. It's almost worth buying the app for a loan. Um, but the uh, but I don't spend much time in them. How about you, Jeff? I, same here. I I spend a, a, a small amount of time um, for for doing something like like your shot um, of the steamer, um, or even like uh, you know waterfalls or something like that, where yeah. you want a long exposure to get that kind of like silky look. Um, I, I use an app called Slow Shutter, and that that you know, just lets you say, you know, keep the shutter open for two seconds or whatever. And and it, it does a little bit of compensation um, for, you know, like, like you're, you're trying to take a picture of star trails or, or, you know, whatever. Um, and um, like, like other than that, um, I'm just flipping through here. I passed a whole bunch of, of, of apps that are, you know, like they're, they're really cool and they're, um, you know, I, I applaud the work that went into them, but I, I, I don't, I don't reach for them often. I, I think, um, maybe the only other one is, um, uh, hyperlapse, which is, uh, that's really a video tool. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, that's a video tool The the, the Apple app will do a time-lapse, um, but hyperlapse kind of does it a bit better. Yeah. And we may someday come back and look at video on the iPhone as a separate subject because I didn't I didn't want to cheat photography, but <laughs> but the um, but really for capture and the the reason why all of us have bought so many 
third-party camera apps over the years is for a while apple's game wasn't really that good with the camera there wasn't that much control and you know it took a long time to load but they've really improved the um the the, the native camera app to such an extent that i think it's a pretty hard market now to get in and, and have an alternative camera app uh and then when there's there's such mature products like Camera Plus that have basically everything you'd want if you want an additional feature. But if, if we missed one, let us know. You know, we do that live show every month, and I'd love to hear what you like. I want to talk next about um, some of the hardware we're using, the third-party hardware with our iPhones as cameras. Uh, let's do that right after this break. I want to take a moment and thank our next sponsor for this episode, and that is Smile Software. And specifically, I want to talk about the brand-new PDF Pen version 8. PDF Pen is the ultimate tool for editing, reading, writing, doing anything to PDFs. And they've got versions both for Mac, iPhone, and iPad. And if you've ever had a situation where someone has sent you a document, you've had to scan it, you've had to print it, you've had to sign it, and then hopefully you haven't had to, but maybe you've had to actually fax it back to them, that's just ridiculous. And especially if you're trying to adopt a paperless lifestyle, PDF Pen can help you solve all of those problems without ever leaving your desktop or your iOS device. PDF Pen can help you do all of these things and more, including adding text and graphics to your PDFs, make corrections, redact sensitive information, number pages, whatever it is you need. And the new version 8 of PDF Pen brings even more new features. Like, how's this, for example? No need for an internet connection anymore. You can now export directly to Microsoft Word. You don't have to be on the internet. It will easily export a PDF into an editable Word document, and that's all local to PDF Pen version 8. You can also add audio annotations in PDF Pen version 8, and they've added a trusted signing capability with digital signatures in both PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro for version 8. Now allow you to apply digital signatures, creating your own uh, AATL certificates or by creating and signing a self-signed certificate. All brand new features in the new PDF Pen version 8. So you can send and receive those PDFs with a greater degree of trust than ever before. You can learn more about the new features of PDF Pen by going to smilesoftware.com slash MPU. That uh, website specifically will tell them that we send you. And there's this guy, Max Barkey, who has made some great video showing you all of the wonderful things that you can do with PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro. And speaking of PDF Pen Pro, they've added some nice features to that package as well, including the ability to create PDF portfolios, which if you have a collection of PDFs to manage, you can create a portfolio to combine them into a single manageable package and to create fillable PDF forms. Uh, And they've added some abilities to really tweak those forms in PDF Pen version 8. So you can find more information at those websites. Upgrades from the old prior version of PDF Pen to PDF Pen 8 are all $30 US plus any applicable taxes. And if you've got a prior version of PDF Pen and you want to go to PDF Pen Pro version 8, it's just $50. So go check them out, smilesoftware.com slash MPU. And thanks to Smile for their longtime support of the podcast. So obviously, the first question for hardware is probably tripod. I know, David, when, when we were trekking around Disney World, you had, I think, two tripods you were carrying. One was kind of backpack size and maybe one was, was pocket size, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, what, what did you have and, and what are you regularly carrying these days? Yeah, I've got a, um, a Joby. Uh, I will look up the exact name, but this thing is like, it's like the size of a stick of gum. It's crazy. And um, Jeff, do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. I will, I will get you the exact name when Jeff's talking. 
Is it the it, micro tripod or? Yes. Yes. And it, it just, it screws in and then the, you just spin it and the three legs come out. It holds an iPhone fine. Uh, even holds an iPhone with a DXO one attached to it. And it is super small and remarkably stable. And that one is like the greatest tripod in the world. If you, as long as you've got a flat surface to put it on and, you know, it's like, I'm not going to hang off a cliff with that one and try and do something. Um, and then the other tripod I have, which uh, I am, Jeff, when did you go? Let me get the name. Cause I don't have the name in front of me. I thought I had it here. <laughs> you go first. Okay. Um, I, I don't have anything like really complicated. Um, I have a, uh, there's a company called square jellyfish, which is a wonderful name just in itself. Um, and they, they have a tripod mount that, um, it, it, it just, you know, basically it's like a mouth that, that grabs onto the, the iPhone and it, you know, it'll accommodate different, um, yes. different models and sizes. I've got one of these. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then, um, there's like a separate little piece that has just a little, little three, uh, prong legs that come out. They they don't extend. They're not like, like a sort of traditional tripod. Um, but you know, like it's perfect for, for putting on, you know, a table or a rock or something, um, that, that doesn't, you know, that's, that's going to be stable. Um, so I, I have that and, and, you know, the, the two pieces, um, you know, can come unscrewed and it's super small and light. And, um, it, it looks like from their, from their website, uh, square jellyfish.com. Um, they've, they even have like more interesting things since I got this one. Um, so, so I, I use that on, on a fair, a fair amount. Um, I also have some, um, some old gorilla pods, which are the, 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 um, each leg is jointed and you can actually like wrap it around things like wrap it around, a uh, a fence post or something like that. Um, and it's just, it's, it's nice and small. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll hold, you know, plenty of weight and you, we're not talking a whole lot of weight, even if you have, um, a little lens edition. Uh, and you know, the, there are some times when it's, it's just great to have that extra bit of stability for long exposures or you're shooting a time lapse, um, or even you know, like you want to do a quick family shot, and um, you don't want somebody holding on to it. Yeah. So, so mine was the Joby Micropod. That's the tiny one I have, and this is the second one. I mean, they're so small that I I lost one. <laughs> I don't know where it went. <laughs> I'm sure it'll show up at some point. I see now that they have a, a slightly larger one. It's twenty dollars, but they have a slightly larger one for mirrorless and compact DSLRs. That's that's thirty dollars. But I just have the little one, uh, and it works great. And then the one I have for my phone, the bigger one, is a Pedco UltraPod grip. I had to look through my Amazon history. I paid fifteen bucks for it. It's not super expensive, but it has a. Um, it's not like a GorillaPod. GorillaPods have these. Um, like jointed legs that you wrap around things. And I tried one of those once and I never felt comfortable. It always seemed like it rocked and it was actually really kind of hard to get it to really lock onto something. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Pedco has a strap with a piece of Velcro on it and the, um, the, the legs of it are at 90 degree angles. So if you just fold it up, you can literally like kind of stick it next to a log or a, a fence post or whatever, and just wrap the Velcro around it. And then you've got a really stable service. And, um, and that's the bigger one. I mean, the, the micropod fits in any pocket. The, the Joby is a little bit bigger. Um, 
a, a man could put it in his pants pocket, but it, it is kind of big. Uh, usually when I carry that, sometimes I'll have a bag with me. I'll put that in, but that's, um, that is a nice little tripod that can hold up my camera just fine. And what do you speak? Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, um, it, it's nice because, uh, too often when somebody says like tripod, um, you know, like it's almost intimidating. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've seen people with, um, you know, a giant heavy metal tripod and a little tiny phone on top. And, you know, that's great for stability, bad for your back. Um, and, you know, like, like there are so many things, if you, you know, look at these or, or go to Amazon, um, that will absolutely do the job and not cost very much money at all. Yeah. And what do you use to mount your phone to your tripod? Um, I, I have that, that, um, um, glyph the, maybe. Uh, I I did have a glyph. I do have a glyph somewhere. Um, but I, I mostly just use that the the square jellyfish adapter. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I use the glyph tripod. That the you know the first glyph was made to the exact width of the iPhone, and since the iPhones have changed, mm -hmm. they have a new one out. It's thirty bucks, and it's got it comes with a little Allen wrench, and you can change the width of it so whether your phone is in a case or not in a case you can kind of dial it in mm -hmm. and uh i it's super stable i mean when i put my phone on even with the dxo1 you know plugged into the bottom of it it's not going anywhere all right katie you ever use tripod with your phone or is that not yeah jeff not? and i were talking i think while you were you were looking for your ipod and he and i actually use the same one from square okay. jellyfish yeah sorry Oh, okay. Uh, other hardware of note, um, Katie, what do you use to keep your phone out of the water? I know you spent some time researching that. So I use the recommendation. Um, uh, you know, I, the place that I go for all of these things is I go to the wire cutter and I, I picked, picked one of theirs. Um, and I, I believe the one that I, I ended up going with and I'm going to have to go back and, and look at the name. It was one of those life proof snap on cases. Um, and they have a couple of ones. They've got the uh, is it called the nude or the nud case that, that doesn't have screen protection and it basically sucks on with micro suction. Um, yeah. I didn't, I think that was their main pick, but that one made me a little nervous. Um, I opted instead to go uh, with the one that had a little plastic screen protection on it. Cause it made, just made me feel better. Um, and I'm kind of glad I opted for that one because I realized when I came back from the grand Canyon trip that that plastic screen protector had gotten completely scratched up and my phone was fine. So somewhere along the way I must have, run into something but thankfully the screen was okay you bring your phone scuba diving jeff um i have once um so i i reviewed um uh, a thing called the Op optrix photo pro x or photo pro 10 um for for mac world uh, a couple of years ago i i took it to hawaii with me and it's a it's a a, a case a waterproof case but it also has lenses um and it, it was really cool it was um of course the, the first time that i that i put it in the water i panicked because you know it was my own phone and yeah. um but it, so, it, so it, what do you say when you take on that review <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> um oh gosh i hope this works um it it it, it worked really well um and the, the lenses are 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 fine uh, i wouldn't say they were you know stupendous but the whole idea is is to be able to get underwater shots or, um, you know, if you are wandering the desert and, um, don't want to get sand in your, in your camera or anything like that. 
Um, the, the the funny thing about it, and I, I can't really fault them. Um, I, I waited until the end. Basically, I had written the review and I had tested it in water. And um, I, I waited until the end to do a drop test because, it, you know, it's supposed to be sturdy and all that. And I uh, dropped it once. It was fine. I dropped it again. And, and this was just, you know, like like a casual drop. I didn't throw it or anything. And I I hit the corner just right to to break it. Um, and like like I, I felt kind of bad because up until that point, like it, it worked really well. Um, so so that's that's my experience um, for for everyday stuff. I have to say I, I don't I don't have a case or, or anything. Um, maybe because I don't find myself in 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 those kind of environments, even, you know, living in Seattle where it rains a lot. Um, so if, if it's really raining, I, I probably just won't take a picture or I'll, you know, sneak a picture or something like that. Well, and I think there's, there's also something to be said for having just, I don't like having like that life proof case served a very specific purpose, but I really haven't used it since that trip because Mm -hmm. as an everyday case, I would hate that case. Now I did buy my dad who has the big iPhone six S or six plus um, an everyday waterproof case, and I again got the one that was recommended by the the wire cutter, and I'm I'm just blanking on it off the top of my head because they recommended a different one for the six plus um, because he is extremely accident prone, and mm. that I'll put the link in the show notes to the case that I bought, and it it's a they recommended it as an every for people who wanted to use it as an everyday case, and sure enough, it did come in handy because um, uh, it the the phone went in the lake. You know, he just dropped uh-huh. it and it not only did it go in the lake, he dropped it, it hit the dock and then bounced off the dock and into the lake. And <laughs> wow. um, he found it 10 minutes later. Um, you know, he ran into the house, changed into a bathing suit and came back out. And uh, thankfully, it was just waist deep water and was able to find it. And um, I still found it with like the text message that he was texting as he was walking. <laughs> so do not text and walk. Or you will, will drop your phone. Um but I think there's also something to be said if you don't want to have that bulky of a case on your phone all the time, because I know that would would bother me quite a bit, um, for having yeah. just like one of those dry bags. Um, and sometimes you can get a dry bag. Sometimes you can just get like a, almost like, for lack of a better word, like a, a small little Tupperware type thing that you can throw your phone in. Because when, when I go out to the lake, that's something that I do. And I get just like a, a bag that I can throw my phone in and take it on the boat or put it around my neck. And it's really not something that I want to use my phone during that time. I just want to make sure that if it gets splashed or something like that, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I I, I go for walks on the beach and stuff here, and we have some nice beaches. And I usually keep a couple Ziploc bags in my glove box just if I'm going to go out. Because there's something about sand in California that it just gets in everything. You don't, if you're anywhere near it. So I'll even just stick it in a, a Ziploc bag. And, and once like Katie, I'm not going to go out there to use it, but I'm going to have it on me. And just if I dropped the phone in the sand, I would, I would be very sad because something would happen. Um, what about lenses? Now, Jeff, you used to be a big Olo clip guy. I remember walking around with you at Macworld and you were taking some great shots with your Olo clips. Are you still doing that? Uh, I'm not. And part of that I think is, is just because um, the, the shape of the phones have changed. Um, and so, you know, each, each time all the clip, um, each time, sorry, each time Apple, uh, came out with a new phone, all clip had to, had to adjust their design a little bit because it, it fits so, uh, snugly 
um, right on the phone yeah. um, to, to cover the lens. And then uh, they, at one point they had a case so that um, like they didn't have to rely on that, but the case was kind of bulky. Um, and so like I, I, I didn't keep up with it, but more so um, I, I had that problem of um, like, I would never think to grab the lens, to put it on, to, to, to get the shot. Um, like, like the lenses are, are, well, when I was using them, um, the lenses were good. Um, and you know, sometimes it would be great to get like a wide shot, but most of the time, like what I got just from, from the lens, the, the internal lens, um, was perfectly fine. So I, I found myself just like not reaching for it. And so I, I didn't keep up with, with, um, later generations of it. I think the reason I went to the DXO one was because not so much for the snapshots of the family, but when I wanted to get artsy, you know, take mm -hmm. a picture late at night or, or if I wanted to do something with a low F stop, uh, you know, I just didn't have that. And I had been, I had been used to having that with prior cameras, you know, where I could set a lens up. I had a, I think at the time the lowest F stop in my bag was a 1.7 DXO gets down to 1.8, which is, pretty close to 1.7 it's just yeah. a point one off right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but either way um and i so i decided that's what pushed me over the edge of you know and you know i said well if i sell the camera it won't really net cost me anything and um it, it worked out for me and i really like having it i don't use it all the time i'd say i take about 20 percent of my shots with the dxo one Mm -hmm. uh, having used it, I'm going to put a review up at Max Barkey about the time the show goes live because I've been, um, um, you know, I've been threatening to do that for months and I'm just going to take some pictures and comparative, but it, it's really good for the lowest stop. It's really good for low light. Uh, when you want to take a family, like a portrait picture, you can take a really decent portrait picture with that DXO. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've got the lighting, right. Uh, the software on it is strangely not as good as I'd like it to be, you know, where Apple <laughs> software is very good. DxO software was buggy at first. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've got a demo unit or not, but a lot of the early reviews were critical of it because the software would, would crash and be buggy. Yeah. They've ironed a lot of that out now. You still get it occasionally, but rarely. Um, so the, the product has got better, you know, okay. in the months since it launched. And I'm sure next year they'll come out with a new one that'll be a better camera itself. Like, I don't really care for the mechanism that the way you... Um, the way you release the, the, the lightning connector is you push down on like a little flap and it's very tempting to stick your thumb right on the lens as you're doing yeah. it because of the way it's set up. So there's some things about, and, and frankly, packing the uh, lightning, fold it back in, you have to do the same procedure, which is makes it again, very easy to get thumbprints on the lens. Right. But, um, but you know, overall I do not regret the purchase at all because it really has allowed me to take really high quality pictures with my camera. And well, I, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I was going to say, like, like, I think the, so there's a big truck. Um, the, I think the, the key to, to something like the DXL1, um, and the, the, it's something like, like I've tested that too, and, and sort of ran into the same thing um, as the lenses, is that, like, like I, I would need to remember to, to grab it and use it. And I think um, this goes back to the, the whole, um, the whole intention of, of how you're going to be a photographer, because if I'm going to go out and, you know, just very intentionally go like, I'm going to spend a few hours just taking pictures, then I will grab 
um, you know, my, my Fuji and lenses and, and such. Um, and if I was in your shoes and decided, okay, I, I'm not going to have any of those things. I'm just going to do, do iPhone. Then having the DXO one is great for that because you, you can put it on and you can be intentional about, about the kind of shots that you're going to take. You're, you're sort of, uh, moving out of the the snapshot, here's something that I like on the spur of the moment, and really focusing on okay, I'm going to spend an hour, uh, you know, shooting this rose garden or catching this sunset or something like that, and that's that's when something like the DXO one is great. Or even um, there, there's a company here in Seattle, and I'm forgetting the the name. I think they're called. Um, they sell these great lenses called um, Moment lenses. I, I, I want to say that's that's the name um, that uh, I, I haven't used, but they're they're highly recommended, and it's like great glass and all of that. And it has to be something that you're going to deliberately put on the phone, um, and then you'll get great great, great results. So, um, I guess my point is, like like all, all these extra things are really great. But you have to think about um, adding them to your phone. And for me, most of my iPhone shooting is is more spur of the moment. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, especially because you've got that fancy Fuji, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I don't I, always carry it. So yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I will say that the the DXO one, I keep it in my drawer next to my wallet, and it mm. is. It is very easy to bring it with me, and I, quite often I will bring it, and it will never come out of my pocket. But when I do need it, it's there. I like um, that it's next to your wallet, so you just grab and go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, Jeff, we're coming okay. up on um, we're coming up on kind of the witching hour here, and I know uh-huh. we've still got a lot more in the outline. David wants to get to. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why we needed an adult. I know, and it looks like that might be me. So what I'd like to do is um, why don't we take our our last sponsor break here, but when we come back from this and maybe we can kind of hit it rapid fire session so we can get as many of these in as as we can in the the next couple of minutes. I want to talk about some of the apps that you both are using uh, because I'm only using a couple of these and and I want to know what I'm missing, but let's talk about some of the apps that we're using both to process your photos and and manage your photos and, and see how many we can hit before we have to wrap it up. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com, enter offer code MPU at checkout, and get 10% off your first purchase. We've talked about it before, but it just still remains true. If you want to make a new website, don't spend a bunch of time learning to code HTML or whatever the new sexy is. Just go to Squarespace and push the button. I use Squarespace for MaxSparky.com, and it's one of the smartest things I ever did with the website. With Squarespace, it's just problem solved. You don't have to worry about problems like hosting or scaling. Sometimes MaxSparky gets linked by big websites, and we get tons of traffic, and there's just never an issue. With Squarespace, you can also build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level. There's no coding required. Just sign up and pick a beautiful template and go from there. And not only are the templates great, they're customizable by anybody. So once you find the right template, you can make changes. Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and used by some of the most respected brands in the world. But all of that is just getting started. Squarespace also has tons of awesome features once you sign up, like 24-7 support with live chat and email, 
and they have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland, so they're there to help you at any hour of the day. They also have a commerce platform, which allows anyone to add a store to their Squarespace site. It's so easy. Uh, they also have the cover page ability, so you can build a great-looking single-page website, and everything is rock-solid with fast hosting and so much more. If you want to take Squarespace even further, you should check out their developer platform. This lets you dig into the code and tinker with your Squarespace site. But you really don't have to. I've been using Squarespace for years for Max Sparky and my legal website, and I've never done that. It still looks beautiful, and it still works all the time. If you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace is affordable, with plans starting at just $8 a month. I know social media is great, but I really believe in owning your own content. And if you want to set up your own website, it really isn't that hard with a Squarespace account. So start with a trial. There's no credit card required and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the Mac Pal users. We really appreciate that, and thank you to Squarespace for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, we spent the most uh, time in the show talking about taking pictures, which I think is probably merited because I, you know, I want everybody listening to this to get better at taking pictures with it. But uh, it does have a nice processor in there, and it does have the ability to take pretty good uh, to process pictures in a nice way and do things with them. Um, so I thought. You know, let's just talk about some of our favorite apps to make things better um, with the pictures we take. Yeah. The first, I'm going to start before you guys steal it. Okay. Because <laughs> it might be the only one that I use. Um, but I'm going to throw out Pixelmator. It, it, they've, full disclosure, they've been a long-term sponsor of the show. Uh, they're not currently sponsoring it. Um, but it just got a big update. It got a big update um, for, for the Mac side, um, including the ability to, to use the share sheet and some other things now. It's just a great all-around editing app. It's It's got a great app for iOS. That's been their focus for the last couple of years. But I'm a huge Pixelmator fan, and that's really my only editing uh, app of choice right now. Uh, if I'm not using the built-in Photos app to edit, uh, then I'm, I'm in Pixelmator. Yeah, and, and Pixelmator also has a nice set of filters that, that can round-trip through the Photos app. So it's a nice way to be able to apply filters without having to, to leave Photos. Um. Uh, I'll pick one. Uh, Camera Plus is the app I talked about as a choice for taking photos. They've got an editing, I think they call it a filter. I don't know what the na- the nomenclature is, but they, it's called Clarify. And you take a picture and you tap the Clarify button and it does some kind of magic with it. I mean, when I take sunset mm-hmm. shots with clouds, uh, the clouds are prettier and more colorful after I hit the Clarify button. It's almost like a an HDR filter. I don't know exactly what it's doing, but I love that little filter. And every time I take like a landscape or a beach shot, a lot of times I'll go ahead and open a camera plus and just hit the clarify button. And that's all I do to the picture. All right. I'll jump in with uh, Snapseed, um, which has uh, it's now owned by Google. Um, what I like about it is you can you can layer a whole, whole bunch of different effects. Um, and then if you. Um, need to go and like like adjust something that you did two or three layers ago. Um, it, it's really easy to do that. Um, they also have this this great thing uh, called uh, where to go HDR scape, um, which will will take like a single image and apply an HDR effect to it. And in in some cases, you would think, oh, it's got an HDR effect. It's going to be 
garish and ugly and overdone, um, like like some HDR photos end up being. And um, the 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 algorithms that they use are really uh, finely tuned because um, most of the things that I've thrown at it um, do what I want them to do. I want it to you know like bring out a little bit more color, bring out some more detail. Um, you know, uh, bring bring detail out of out of shadows. Um, you can definitely crank it up and go crazy if you want. Uh, usually, I'll take the default and just bring it back a little bit, and you end up with a shot that honestly, you know, someone would have thought you ran through um, Photoshop or something like that. Um, so they they have like like a lot of different um, filters and lens blurs and things like that, but also really good controls for you know even basic basic tuning and and making uh, edits to selective areas if you want to just like brighten like one person or one area, uh, you can do that. I would I would second the nomination for Snapseed. I, I was at um, uh, some tech event in the years past, and I was talking to somebody about Snapseed and. I was told by the guy in the know how apparently the, the gentleman behind Snapseed, it was the same guy they were out of San Diego. I forget the name of the company. Google bought the whole company, mm-hmm. but the guy behind it, they said he's just like wicked smart about photo processing in ways that other people could never figure out. And uh, Snapseed is particularly good. I know we're talking about iPhone, but on your iPad, you know, because you've got yes. photo sharing Snapseed with the big screen, man, you can really dial a picture down with Snapseed. So, and it's great. Um, and this, this isn't just Snapseed, but a lot of the the, the modern um, apps that we're talking about. Um, Apple made a change in, on the back end uh, a couple of revisions ago, so that when you make an edit, you're not automatically like making a separate edited copy of an image. Um, so it it acts more like it does in in the uh, Apple's Photos app, where you can make adjustments, but you can always revert back to the original if you need to. Katie, do you have any more? Or is this Pixelmator the end of the story? No, Pixelmator is pretty much it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Visco Cam, V S C O Cam. Uh, it's weird. You got to log in. They've changed their model over the years, but they have so many great filters in that app, and they have some really great sharing features. Um, if you ever want to have a little fun, like if you go on a trip, I think it's a good app to kind of put together, kind of a, a nice image that you can share with your friends. Um, you ever use that one, Jeff? Um, I do a little bit. I, I have to admit that that like I haven't quite uh, grokked the interface as well as I would like to. Um, yeah. But I I can totally acknowledge like like it, ha- it has a lot of power and it's enormously popular. What's what's some of your favorites, Jeff? Um, it, well, I actually have been doing uh, quite a bit using the Lightroom mobile app, and part of that is because most of my photo workflow is in Lightroom on on the desktop. Um, but the, the Lightroom mobile app, which at first was, was just on the iPad. Now it's also on the iPhone. Um, it has a lot of the same controls that you would find in, in, uh, Lightroom for the desktop. Um, as you would expect, but, um, there are a few things that they've added, um, like, like, um, vignetting where you have a, a lot more control over like, like the, the roundness of the vignette or, or the amount of feathering, things like that. Um, but what's also nice about it is, um, when you import photos into the, the desktop version and you set them to sync to Lightroom mobile, it, it all goes through creative cloud and you have to have a subscription to, to make it all work. Um, 
but uh, what what Lightroom on the desktop does is it takes your photo, um, and this is great, especially if you shoot raw, um, and it, cr- it creates a, a digital negative, a DNG file, which is Adobe's um, uh, sort of open raw-ish uh, format. I like the word raw-ish. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and and so the, the, the DNG file is is synchronized through Creative Cloud to the app. And the, the upside of that is um, what you're editing on the iPad or the iPhone um, is more true to, to um, what you'll see on the desktop because you're actually working with more data, but without having to push the, the giant uh, raw files. And any edits that you make on the mobile device um, get reflected back uh, on the desktop really quickly. So... Um, for a real world example, it's great to, uh, import a bunch of photos on my, uh, laptop and then have them sync and review them later on the iPad or the iPhone. Um, and, and know that I'm not having to deal with having, you know, um, photos in my, my Apple photos app and also Lightroom and, um, so it, it streamlines things a bit. And also it's, it's because I'm, I, I'm familiar with the way it works. Um, it's, it's, it, it works really well for me. I think that, um, one of the, the issues is, you know, we talked earlier about how software is terrible on most cameras, you know, the software interface yeah. and with using the iPhone as your camera, imagine getting, going to the store and buying a point and shoot. But the difference is there are literally thousands of applications that can rewrite the software for you. If you don't, you know, if if your camera doesn't have some feature you want, you can download an app that will do it. If you want to, you know, change the way somebody's eyes look or shift the colors or add flare effects or make it look like a watercolor. I mean, all this stuff is available to you and there's many apps that, that you can download, whether it's you want to apply a single effect or you want to have a bunch of different effects. I think the ones we've, we've recommended, frankly, are going to give you most of what you need. Um, but if there's something you want that's not in there, there's probably an app already that does it for you. And um, to me, that's one more reason why I love to call myself an iPhone photographer at this point. Um, we were going to talk also about, you know, where we store photos. I think that we're just out of time for that. And that's, <laughs> I, there's no way I can open that conversation and finish it in, uh, you know, without taking another half hour. So um, let's skip that for now. Uh, but uh, overall, gang, I really like using my iPhone for photography. I don't think I'm going to buy another camera uh, probably ever at this point. I, wow. I do. I, th- I do think at some point the the, the lens system is going to be good enough in the iPhone that I won't need anything like a DXO one either. There's a lot of rumors out there about a dual lens system in the mm-hmm. next iteration of the iPhone. I don't know if it's true or not, but if you research it on the internet, it looks like that'd be pretty cool to have in my phone camera. Yeah. Well, and, and then like you also have, um, and I, I'm blanking on the company, but the, there's a company that, that that they've made a camera that has like 12 lenses on it. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's basically a point and shoot, but it, it, um, like it takes an image from, you know, 12 different focal lengths and, and there's probably like, like some zoom capability and then the yeah. software munges it all together in some great way. Um, and although it's a very, you know, sp- kind of specialized cutting edge type of thing, I can totally imagine it. I mean, you know, what if 
the back of your phone is just an array of sensors that that um captures images rather than just having like like one lens and, and the um, advantage of that is it takes every different focal length so you can say i want to focus on the tip of jeff's nose and mm -hmm. you can say that and you can make the other stuff real blurry or you can say i want everything in focus i mean you literally focus the picture after you take it exactly and and also going back to the to the processing because um apple is really um you know barnstormed um having the processor do a lot of the work um and i, I need to I hope I'm getting this detail right, but I remember um, when when you take like even a single shot with the iPhone, um, the it, it's actually grabbing like uh, two or three separate shots and combining them to make one um, in in various ways. I mean, it's 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 very uh, it's very advanced and very uh, technical. Um, and really kind of points to the fact that, oh, you know what? It is good to have a good lens and to have a good sensor, but it's turning out to be better to have a good processor that can really do interesting things with the the pixels that it's capturing. You well, bet. I'm really excited to see, you know, the innovations that come out with the next iPhone. And WWDC is right around the corner. We probably won't see anything there, but... You know, falls falls not too far away now. So, all right. Well, um, let us know your iPhone photography stories and tips. Uh, we have a live show for that. Jeff, thank you so much for coming in. Where can people find you? Oh, thank you for having me on. Um, best place is jeffcarlson dot com. Um, that's where where I uh, post um, articles and links to things and. Um, photos and all of that. Jeff's got a really great voice. Everybody, if you want to learn about photography, he really writes in a way that anybody can get good at this stuff. Um, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us on Twitter at Mac Power Users. Katie's at Katie Floyd. I'm at Mac Sparky. Um, like we said at the beginning of the show, next week we're going to be a day late because we're going to have fresh breaking news, which is something we almost never do here, but we're kind of excited about it. And um, we want to thank our sponsors, Fracture, Daylight, Smile, and Squarespace. Did I miss anything, Katie? You got it. We will see you all next time.